The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Well, welcome back, Googleization Nation, and happy holidays to all our listeners. Uh, it's our final show, live show of the year. It's not our final show. We're going to be doing something special the next two weeks. Uh, but it's our final live show of the year. So we're focusing on a quick look back into 2019 and a deeper look into our future, uh, which is imminent, uh, 2020, just around the corner. Uh, Keith and I are going to share our thoughts and kind of help us look, uh, kind of do a quick review of, of what's happened last year. Uh, we've had... 49 guests. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of new, a lot of information, a lot of learning, a lot of insight, uh, a lot of forward thinking that we got. Uh, and then we're going to also give, uh, we'll, we'll each give some of our projections for 2020. But most of all, uh, we have our first repeat Geek Skeezers and Googleization guest, uh, which is exciting. Uh, Alan Ballou, uh, who is an economist uh, and uh, I think he's president from ITR Economics, uh, will be joining us for a few minutes with his forecast in the 2020 and why that's really important and why you definitely want to stay tuned is 12 months ago, Alan and his team made a forecast for 2019, which we're just about over. And looking back, um, I, when we, uh, we talked to him the other day, uh, looking back at his forecast that he made 12 months ago, they were 99% plus in some categories, 99% plus accurate in their projections for what to expect in our economy for 2019. So, and they've been they've been doing that for year over year. Uh, in the past, it uh, itr economics uh, they've been around for quite a long time, several decades, and their history is 95% plus accuracy over all those years. And then last year, as I said, 99%. So can you um, imagine, is there anything in your life you're 95% plus uh, accurate for? Uh, hey, no. hey, there, there's days I'm looking to flip a coin and, <laughs> and hope, it, hope it comes up heads, <laughs> you know, or tails, whatever I guess. No, there, you know, I mean, we, we you know, the only other, t well, actually just to give you some indication, I mean, you know, we, uh, we're, I'm in the hiring business, you know, assessments. Um, and, you know, people are always looking to improve their interviewing and their hiring success. And in reality is, um, you know, like the interview is about, I think, 52 percent, um, you know, out of that. And, and people, uh, you know, you know, struggle with, uh, you know, hiring people, hiring the right people. Uh, some people are better interviews, so it notches up a little bit, you know, if you add assessments and you do, do all those things. But but honestly, we're not even close to 99 percent. No. And uh, but 99 percent accuracy, they again, um, in, incredible. And uh, uh, and uh, we'll be hearing more about that shortly. So, you know, uh, today is a big day. Um, you know, don't you know, in, in our country, you know, uh, our president will be impeached, whatever that means. 
Um, and uh, we got a huge election, presidential election on the horizon. And that's uh, where I, I'm going to pitch a couple questions to uh, Alan. Maybe he, maybe he has a prediction for the uh, <laughs> who's going to win the election. But most importantly is what, what impact is it going to have? Is it going to make it easier to hire people? You know, are we going to have job loss? Is he- yeah, you know, the, it, change is totally there. It's totally in the air. And when you think about the way businesses go, absolutely there's this macro element as it relates to the cost of business. And then you have the idea that employees inside the business have their external factors like their their marriage, their children, their bills, their own career aspirations. And you're looking for a way for people to be able to figure out what they want to do next. So, yeah, I mean, part of it is there there is uh, there's so much going on. Um, you know, it's 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 tough to to, to keep up with it. Yeah. Uh, and yet the economy keeps chugging along. I mean, just this morning uh, or just yesterday with, you know, stock market hit an all time high. And yet today there's you know, we're supposed to impeach our president. Um, you know, I, I remember um, you were pretty young at the time, uh, you know, when we went through this with Nixon and, you know, a couple other events that I went along. For the, for the listening audience, I was not alive when that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're the youngster. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the, the reality is um, it is, you know, the markets, I mean, everybody was walking around in sort of a, a I won't say a depression, but, uh, you know, a solemn, sad mood. I mean, the markets were were, were, were you know, crashing, um, you know, based on the news and what was going to happen. And now we sort of sort of blow it off. So it's really, really interesting um, because, you know, we need to pay attention to it. So um, I was so excited that Alan agreed to do this again, especially in such a timely spot, because, you know, you can imagine for an economist, uh, end of the year is super busy uh, yeah. in the beginning of the year. So we, we've got that lined up. Um what else? What's going on? What else is going on with you before we uh, we we go to uh, break and we bring on uh, Alan? Well, you know, it, it, everything that I'm doing, Ira, has a lot has everything to do with what we're talking about in terms of this macro change, uh, the shift of who who deserves the attention. Does the political system deserve the business world's attention more so than the business buyers and, and the clients out there that people are working with? I think when we like. We'll talk more about this after we hear from Alan, but, you know, we've been talking all year about how businesses needs to cater to their clients and their clients, as it turns out, are their employees. And so this shift of, of, of what we've talked again throughout the year about soft skills and creativity and empathy, everything that I've been doing is partnering with some companies and helping them shape their message and, and, and build out their brand so that their product can be positioned with empathy. Uh, you know, in the HR world, certainly, uh, the news, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag. HR needs help. They're uh, treading water. <laughs> There's, a, a, you know, a lot that needs to, a lot of help that's out there. Um, the part that I, I really enjoy about this show is in some way, shape, or form, I think we're connecting dots. Uh, we have um, not just an HR audience, but we certainly have a presence on the HR side of things. And to be able to see how companies are shifting their focus uh, towards their employees and then on the ROI side of things, the software, I mean, the software is selling, the the revenue is already there where, you know, for a, a project that started just a couple months ago, where, where um, 
we're seeing great results. And, and it's because people are finally ready to start putting their time and their money towards the people that matter most, and that's their clients. And and again, the, uh, you said connecting the dots. Um, you know, one of the things, and, and one of the things that's just so surprising to me, you you talked about empathy. If and especially for for me, uh, you know, if if we mentioned empathy in 1980s or 1990s or 2000s, uh, and maybe even early, you know, maybe even early this decade, if you talked about one of the we, we need to be more empathetic. You would have got laughed out of the C-suite, out of the boardrooms. Yeah. And, and not because nobody cared, but it really, it just didn't hit the radar. It was something like, it's a nice to have, you know, you know, we're in business. It's about the bottom line. You know, empathy has no place, you know, in business, you know, maybe in a nonprofit or a social service or in healthcare. you know, and that would be on the floor of healthcare, not in the, in, not in the C-suite of healthcare. Care. Right, right. And yet, how many guests have we had this year that a key component was empathy? And I'll go back to uh, Diane Hamlin, Dr. Diane, uh, with Curiosity Code Index and the curiosity. Um, you know, you, you know, you need to be curious. I mean, you need you need to be curious to be empathetic. And, and if you're empathetic, you're curious. Um, but yesterday, um, you know, and again, she's going to be a guest on a podcast in January last week and last uh, Wednesday in January with Charlene Lee. Um, some some of the people out there might have heard of Charlene. Um, it may be someone new that you absolutely need to know. She's got a new book. It's called The Disruption Mindset. Um, you're probably familiar with uh, uh, Daniel Pink, you know, who, mm-hmm. who's, uh, you know, so many people are familiar with him. And he called Charlene one of the brightest minds in business. Fast Company said Charlene was uh, one of the most creative minds in business today. Uh, she's been around. She worked for Forrester and Gardner and a couple other places. She has her own analyst firm. She is at the top of the game. You know what we talked about yesterday in my live stream? What? Empathy. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. yeah. And it's like in order to disrupt business, in order to be disruptive, and, and again, it doesn't mean every business needs to be disruptive, but disruption will impact every business, and every business wants to grow. And in order to understand how to grow, you need to be empathetic because you need to um, you need to walk in your customer's shoes. You need to right. walk in your employee's shoes. So it's just amazing at the transition. Um, and you know, so you 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 talked about empathy. It just blows my mind of of how empathy now it's much more than a buzzword. Right. And, and it, what, you know, it's, it's, um, it's fun to me how, you know, we start talking about things like empathy and creativity and uh, Stephen Kotler, who's a part of the flow genome project that talks about flow state. He, he has gone on record and, and shared the idea that creativity is the number one soft skill in the world today. And, you know, this is really where the life work integration message comes into play. Ira, you can't, be in a mindset that involves compassion and empathy and uh, giving when you're stressed. And, you know, uh, another common theme that's gone throughout most of the show is that, you know, our guests are trying to help people manage some sort of level of stress, whether it be internal, like Pandit Dasa, who was helping us with mindfulness or maybe it's uh, Benji Gilliam over at my interview talking about being able to make a process 
of getting uh, getting acclimated to a prospective company, you know, during the hiring process, making that more engaging so that you feel better about who you are and you can, you know, get out of the stress level and just be more more, more nice and, and ultimately, you know, empathetic and empathy comes into how you can be successful in in today's business world. It might not have gotten you success in, in the 1980s. And Simon Sinek talks a lot about how, you know, that was an experiment. You know, a quarterly earning reports started in the 70s. It's an experiment. It's a theory. And the theory held true if what you wanted was short-term profit. Uh, but it, it came at the expense of employees. So now, you know. Tide has turned. Tide has turned. And we're here. Yeah, yeah 40 years later, it's time for it's time for the other side. Yeah, and that's 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 why we've got so many people listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization. That's why we've got a growing community in Googleization Nation. Um, you also we also mentioned about empathy. I mean, understanding culture was uh, uh, um, Aaron Mendel. Uh, uh, Aaron Michelson, uh, Michelson from yeah. uh, from a summary. summary, and you know we did the kind quiz. And by the way. Um, for anybody that's still interested in doing the kind quiz, go to the kind quiz. That's K I N D Q U I Z E, the kind quiz.com forward slash G G G. And, uh, we're going to have that. We'll keep promoting that through, uh, the end of the first quarter of this year. Uh, and that, um, they will again, make another donation on our behalf of everybody, uh, who completes that survey. And again, part, part of that was understanding what individual values are and for companies to be able to walk the talk and understand, uh, what the, uh, you know, providing purpose, uh, again, in order, in order to provide purpose, uh, whether it's, you know, on the leadership side, uh, leading with purpose, uh, you know, or whether it's, uh, you know, just trying to create a great company or, or find your spot as an individual. You've got to so, understand who you are. So it's so fascinating. And, and maybe when we're, we're, when we're done with the Alan part, we'll, we'll come back to this. Yeah. But, yeah. We, we got to uh, get Alan on here. So yeah, you know, I love, I love how we, we, we seem to have placed in, uh, you know, this fantastic dance between emotional and artificial intelligence. It's such it, like summary is a great example of that, where the software helps identify the company and employee values. Mm-hmm. And then with that information, you can go to your clients and say things like, here's what we value. Why don't you take the test and see what you value? And we could come up with something together. Fascinating. Yeah. Collaboration, yeah. right? It's it's unbelievable. For sure. So you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. This is our uh, final live show of the year, uh, 2019. Uh, and we've got, uh, we, 2020 is just around the corner. And we've got Alan Ballou from ITR Economics ready to tell us uh, what's ahead. Uh, how, you know, good, bad, is unemployment going to go up, down? Uh, what can we look for in our economy? So we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Zor.ai, and then a little later in the show from our other sponsor, Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in less than a minute. Imagine how your company would grow. If your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. 
Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's xor.ai. I'm excited to welcome back to our show, Alan Ballou from ITR Economics. It's our final show of 2019, so we thought it'd be a great idea to get a sneak peek into 2020. So welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, Alan. Glad to be here, Ira. Thanks yeah. for having me on. And congratulations. Uh, you are the first repeat guest ever on our show. So oh, really? We had uh, close to 60 guests. Uh, this is actually the 49th show of the year that we had. We took off for a couple of holidays, but uh, so welcome back. So, wow. so you're, you're number one on the list. Feeling good about that. Thanks again. Yeah, good. So back in... I think it was May, uh, might have been uh, May or early June. Uh, we talked before, you were gracious enough to be on the show, and you projected uh, we'd experience not a recession, but maybe a slowdown headed into 2020. So six months later, where do we stand? Oh, um, thanks for bringing that up. I certainly <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, things are tracking uh, just as we had hoped. Uh, couldn't be happier with the way the economy is unfolding according to forecast, which is always good when you're an economic forecasting firm, right? Yeah, and well, uh, and you've got quite an accurate track record, so we'll, 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 we'll chalk that up too. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just did some work and uh, looking at actual results uh, through the first three quarters of 2019. And... Um, I'm very pleased with those results. Um, if you had heard us in late 2018, what I did was I looked at the forecasts that were in place in late 2018. So a year later, how did they do? GDP through September, uh, the accuracy was 99.9%. Yeah. Industrial production, that forecast had been in place for 13 months by September, 99.3%. China, which was really one that fascinated me because uh, of all the things going on with the tariffs and all the rest of that. And they've come on some hard times and whatnot. China industrial production, uh, that forecast as of September had been in place 10 months, 99.6%, all of which is in retail sales, 99.9%, et cetera. Just to, as a way of saying the economy unfolded in a predictable way. And what's really cool about that, besides being right, and I mean, Ira, who doesn't like to be right, that means that all that political noise you and I have been suffering through, and everybody listening to this has been suffering through, is not nearly as important as what we do and what the economy does and the people who make up the economy. Because what we do is measure the economy, not politics. And the economy did what it was supposed to do. It's a beautiful thing. And it makes me really happy to see that things are tracking as we thought, because that means, jumping ahead to your question, um, that this slowdown, which is in the economy, industrial production is in decline, GDP is slowing down very noticeably. All of that is not going to last long. It means that the first half of 2020, the industrial side of the economy will still be declining at a mild pace. GDP is going to go flat, maybe slightly negative in the first quarter of 2020, but that's it. This is not a full-fledged uh, industrial production recession in terms of magnitude. GDP is not going into recession. Just some softness, and then things get better in 2020. And, and, and really, Ira, who doesn't like that, right? Uh, absolutely. That's, that's good news. So there's a couple questions I got. One is, uh, and we might be able to spend the whole show on this, so that's not the intent, but um, has it always been that way? Has, has the news, you know, I, and I've seen that. I mean, I'm expecting this, you know, my, my portfolio to crash, you know, my, my, uh, my IRA uh, to go down. I, I hear some horrible news and yeah, 
stock market responds, they rebound. Um, yep. No, um, has, has, was it always this disconnected between politics and the economy or is this just welcome to our new world? Uh, no, it's always been that way. Uh, it's just one of the myths that we have that it, it matters through the near term. Of course, there's some long-term influences, but the reality is most of those are much smaller than we're told they're going to be. And they take longer to fold in than people expect. So there's time to adjust. There's time to work around. There's time to assimilate. And so it really has a, a milder impact than, than expected. Uh, and if I may be so bold in, in this, you can feel free to do what you want with this segment. There, when Obamacare came out, there was a whole hue and cry about what it was going to mean for businesses, what it was going to mean for life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, there was a, just a tremor in the business community about what this is all going to mean. And yet everything unfolded back then, even as we thought it would. And businesses continued to make money and the world continued to spin. The air was still breathable. And that was a really <laughs> big deal. Uh, and yet the impact was much less than people feared. Much, much less than people feared. I think that's a great example of what has been through time. Yeah, it's certainly scary. I mean, if you listen to the news, I mean, we're, we're certainly in uh, desperate you know, times. But the stock market and uh, the recent numbers from the labor market you know, certainly don't reflect that, which brings up a point. Uh, most of, you know, we're here to focus, uh, at least the show, um, you know, my emphasis has been on labor and jobs and recruitment and hiring. Um, so with this slowdown, what do you see happening, if anything, uh, for labor, for job markets, for the ability to, to find people? What, what, what are you projecting? Yeah. That's a great question, and it's on a lot of people's minds, so you're well in tune with uh, the listeners with that one, Ira. My, my tip my hat to you. The answer is a very pleasant one. Uh, you know, people might be working a little less hours, so that may impact their, their income that way. Uh, there will be less overtime through the near term, so some people will be impacted that way. Commission salespeople in the automobile industry are not going to be real happy. I mean, that type of thing. But there's no job loss going on. The November number just came out today. It was a very strong number, 266,000 jobs added. Uh, unemployment rate, I think, went back I think went back to 3.5%. Yeah, the lowest, yeah. Hit the, yeah. hit the record, I mean, yeah, 50-year record. Raises are still going to go out the door. Profits are okay, so there's still going to be some profit sharing. It's going to be uh, a white Christmas in terms of retail sales. Everybody's going to be happy. Um, so the consumers... And the job market are in good shape. Uh, so, and, the, and employers are going to struggle to find labor even as the economy slows down. Because well, that, that was my question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was my question. I've been on, you know, I, I mean, that's my focus. Uh, work, I, I work with employers and they're, they continue to struggle a lot. And I've heard some people say, you know, we're slowing down because we think that there'll be more talent next year on the market. Uh, you know, when they hear forecasts that we might slow down. And I know you said this a couple months ago, so, uh, and, and you just sort of repeated it again, that, uh, you know, despite the fact that we might experience a slowdown, it's not going to be a significant loss of jobs. And in that regard, even some of the people who are going to be put out of work may not be those top labor, those top skilled people that employers are looking for. So, am that's I correct? Very true. That's, that's continuing? Yeah, very, very much so. And the only thing that might happen and uh, it'll, I don't think it's going to last for long, and it's not even a for sure, uh, but in line with what you're thinking, you could find that the quick rate, quit rate goes down some. 
or the other side of that coin is that retention goes up a little bit because in a period of news generated uncertainty, uh, it's easy for people to say, well, I'll just hold now for, for a quarter or two and see what happens because I, I have this job, I know this job, uh, and there may not be a, they may not be emphasis there in as much a hurry to jump. Uh, but that is obviously industry in de is industry dependent, skill dependent, et cetera. Well, that was my next question. Are, are there any uh, industries that you see being impacted, uh, you know, positively or adversely uh, in 2020 more, you know, more so, especially when it comes to, uh, well, both, I mean, productivity, but also, uh, you know, jobs. Well, yeah, I think you're going to see a positive market, for instance, and, and more positive than we've seen in the, in the last uh, nine months, because uh, it's beginning to turn the corner now in housing. So uh, you're going to see more job growth needed in housing, and the competition for labor is likely to drive up wages, which may have a, uh, either a margin screen on, a squeeze on builders, or you're going to find that prices go up just a little bit to cover the, the delta. Either event, that's a great play and a great place to be, and it speaks to appliances, it speaks to carpet, everything that goes inside a house, all the landscaping, all the equipment involved. It's a major tell for the economy, and all the jobs related with that then feel this nice updraft, and which means people benefit and companies are pretty happy with life. Right. Um, so let me ask you a question there, and then I want to get into some other industries as well. Um, you mentioned the you know, housing, but you mentioned appliances and, and everything that goes along with it. Uh, any impact on that with the, the trade wars? Um, you think anything is, is that going to affect anything, or is that more politics than economics? Well, that's more individual than it is economics. Uh, we're macroeconomists, uh, with, in which we do a lot of company forecasting, and we do a lot of individual work. And the, the result of that study is that it depends on who you are. Some people are benefiting from the tariffs, and some are getting hurt. Some it's costing them real money. Uh, I just talked to a gentleman the other day. His business is a U.S. firm. They're importing from China. Uh, their bill each year to the U.S. government is each year, each month is a million dollars because mm. of the tariffs. That's painful. Uh, unfortunately, people think China pays the tariffs. They don't. It's U.S. No. firms that import that pay the tariff. So uh, the answer to your question is unfortunately mixed. You can be in the same industry, and it depends on where you're sourcing and what your okay. supply chain looks like. And Makes sense. if I may, one of the things that people mistake is that uh, a, a widget is a widget is a widget, but that's not true. China makes some widgets that aren't made elsewhere. So if you're selling those widgets or you need those widgets because you're an OEM and you just need it as, as a must-have part, you don't have a choice. It's not like you wake up the next day and say, oh, we'll just make it in Alabama. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And you can't say, well, it's made in Thailand because it's only made there. And, right. and I think we lose sight of the fact that it's much more complicated than the 30 seconds in the evening news makes it. Yeah, the world's a lot more um, compl complicated, complex than it ever was before. And, uh, you know, I often fi find myself, uh, you know, when I'm talking about some trends and things and then recognizing I have people that not only are there, you know, we're east, we're both out in the East Coast, but you got people on the West Coast. But, you know, I've got a lot of clients in Canada. Uh, and now I'm starting to get people in, in, uh, in Europe and in Australia. And, um, you know, we're, it's not all the same. I mean, we have, have different uh, ecosystems that we live in, although we all live on the planet. Yes. And congratulations on the expanding uh, 
base, by the way, that's fantastic for you, Ira. Uh, a lot more conversation. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you you mentioned uh, housing. Any other industries that will be? I mean, that's a positive effect. Any other industries that will be positively affected or? Uh, well, exporters are likely to feel better. Um, the ones who are not negatively impacted by reciprocal tariffs, they're going to find that the global economy is picking up some speed in the second half of the year. So that means that they should expect some increased demand for goods. Yeah. So again, it's, it's not so much industry dependent as company dependent. So if you're a wholesaler to overseas or a producer who sells overseas, uh, it really is your position in your market that will dictate how much you benefit from the second half of 2020. So, uh, but the overall, the global economy means more demand for things. So that certainly is a good, uh, is a good thing to be part of. I think we're going to see uh, more demand for petroleum and for natural gas. So uh, that will bode well for those industries. There are engineers, there are service companies, there are people who supply sand, pipe. Uh, that's going to do well, uh, you know, not exponentially, but they're going to feel more activity as the world becomes more certain about its future. Uh, I th those things tend to multiply and ripple out into other industries. I just tried to give a couple examples of it with sand and pipe, but I'm sure you get it. And I'm sure your listeners understand that uh, if you pull on this string, a whole lot of things can come behind it and industry will be feeling good. Consumers will be steady. They're not going to be fantastic. So the clothing folks and the shoe folks, they're not going to have a wow year, but they're likely to find that 2020 comes in above 2019. It, it won't be a high single digit, but it will be above. So they will see some benefit. The housing guys will see more benefit than the clothing guys, than, you know, and that, and that sort of thing. But it will be up for most people. It's a question of degree. Automobiles should see some upside activity uh, later in, in 2020. Commercial construction, because I anticipate you're going to ask me what's not going to do well. I think commercial construction is going to lag in through here. And while the things I just talked about are feeling uh, some increased activity, some more demand pull, I think the construction economy, commercial, which tends to be a laggard, uh, is going to do that and come out slower and, and it won't be a V-shaped rise late in 2020. I think we're going to see a more gradual rise later in the year. Um, and, you know, they'll catch up more in 21. And technology, healthcare, transportation, they're going to just keep chugging along like they have been? Yeah, with, with increased demand in general. Um, so that will be nice. Uh, you mentioned healthcare. You scare me a little with that one. Uh, only because my mind flashes to the future, as I'm sure yours does, Ira. And uh, who knows what's going to happen, right? <laughs> That's where I came from. Yeah. Election. Well, we, yeah. Well, we know it's going to get more, more demand, more expensive, right? <laughs> uh, yes, but the ma mantra is that we'll reduce costs. Uh, there's just yeah, been right. a really interesting study from Wharton School of Business on that. If we go to universal health care, can we really reduce costs? They have other studies and different people doing whether we can afford it. That was not the point of their study. Their study was, can we, in, in fact, reduce costs in the United States? Fascinating study. Anybody wants to Google Wharton School of Business, um, can we afford, not not can we afford, but can we reduce costs in healthcare? Great paper. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, my, again, this could be a whole other topic and a whole other discussion, but, you know, my, I think with advancing technologies, um, if we're talking 20 or 30 years, then there are, there's certainly going to be a, a lot of cost-saving technologies. I, I just read where somebody was developing paint. Uh, it was either paint or wallpaper. 
that they can put on a wall, to, which would solve the, and, and, and by then I'll be, I'll definitely be in the aging, the aging adult category where I might need <laughs> caregivers. Um, but, you know, it's tough to find caregivers. It's tough to find people uh, to be able to do that. And yet the, the, it, was, it was either wallpaper or paint will have sensors in them, which will be able to monitor the health of an individual, allowing people to live longer independently. So, you know, and, and so there's all those types of things, uh, you know, in science fiction and reality, so kind of blur. Um, but uh, then there's going to be a lot more people on the planet living longer and, you know, wh whether that, that there's a cost associated with that. So, so. Yeah, well, it, it's not fun to think about because uh, you and I have lived through, and I'm older than you, I've lived through more. But the, no, I, the think, I think we determined that last time. I think you're younger than me. <laughs> I'm younger than you? I think so, yeah. Oh, really? I thought you were younger from the way you're talking, because you're already in the older category. If you don't think you are, <laughs> you're older. Yeah, no, I said that. I, I just, I said I just act as a millennial, though. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, but he, the reality he, is my, the changes have been fantastic. They will continue <laughs> to be fantastic, but they're slow, because you and I remember that we've been talking about stem cell research changing and stem cell implantments mm. and stem cell medical treatments changing healthcare, but we've been talking about that for going on 10 years now. Oh, uh, oh, it's absolutely. still just happening. Yeah. Well, and DNA research changing things, that's been going on for even longer and you know, it slowly comes. So, and that's yeah. your point and that's my point is that these things all take time. So there's no change to the yeah. immediate future. There's no increasing our lifespan. You and I, are, we're, you know, we're, but our kids and our grandkids, they're facing a different future and that's a pretty oh, cool for thing. For sure, oh, absolutely. So I got, there's one elephant in the room, got a big final question here because I want to be sensitive to your time too. I uh, won't ask you to project the winner in the presidential race, but uh, what, what, what impact, if any, uh, do you see the election having on the economy? Uh, none right away. It won't, uh, whatever happens in November of 2020 will not change our forecast for 21. Uh, the die will be cast by then. And barring any very large scale external event, and that usually means something none of us want to think about which, which is uh, you know a war breaking out or something like that a large war breaking out yeah uh, nothing's going to change the outlook for 21 which is for a good year anything that happens politically there would not have an impact until 22 or 23 so we'll have more time to figure it out and talk about it but uh, it'll be fantastic to watch uh, but it really won't change much let me leave you with this and i appreciate your your sensitivity to time um I did a study two years ago before the last presidential election, looked at uh, from Truman on, Democrats in the White House, Republicans in the White House, who had the better GDP rate of growth over time? Uh, on average rate of growth of GDP under Democrats and under Republicans. The answer was astounding in that it made no difference. The difference was less than statistical noise. Uh, don't care. The economy does what the economy does. It's more long-term social things and more-term cultural societal changes. But the economy is not going to shift gears just because there's a different uh, party in the White House or the same party continues on. Pretty cool. Excellent. Well, that's probably good news to a lot of people because it's certainly noisy <laughs> or when, you, when you flip on the uh, – whether you're listening to uh, radio or TV or Internet or getting memo <laughs> text messages – uh, it's a little bit crazy out there. Isn't it, so, though? So any final things we should pay attention to? Uh, just business. 
if your business listeners need to just pay attention to their business, I suggest, we all suggest here at ITR, you pay attention to your rate of change. That's the methodology we use. Anybody can use it. You go to our website, itreconomics.com, and it talks about rates, rates of change. There's a video there. It's free about how to use rates of change. Do that and pay attention to your business that way, and you're much better off than you are by listening to whatever your news source is in the morning. And we're on the same page there because I keep talking to people about slightly different than what you're doing, but the accelerating rate of change, which people tend to underestimate. Mm. So, uh, especially when it comes to technology and other, other, other shifting things in, in our lives. So, Alan, I, again, I appreciate it very much. Um, hopefully we can get you back again for maybe a mid-year report. And, and uh, you know, you, you, you were gracious enough to, to say you'd be happy to do that in the past, and hopefully that'll continue. I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, for anybody who's interested, uh, Alan gave the website, uh, ITR Economics, uh, but excellent news newsletter. Um, I highly recommend it, and hopefully you'll go up and subscribe to that as well. Thank you. I hope you have a great holiday. Take care of yourself. Yes, you too. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Well, welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I'm Ira Wolf, and I'm here with Keith Compagna, and that was a outstanding interview. We've got to thank Alan Ballou again for that forecast. Um, you know, great news, um, breaking news. Uh, we're going to have another good year in 2020. You know, it's it's so powerful to to have the kind of insight that comes from alan i mean you know the idea that politics really doesn't play a significant statistically significant role in the manner in which business gets done should be i would hope would be some sort of massive aha that many people out there can 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 enjoy and just really kind of chill out and, and relax about it. I think, you know, the interesting part, and we've talked about this plenty, right? Ira? People are so unsure that they get scared, right? And then when they get scared, they get defensive. And uh, and all of these social movements that are taking place, you know, there's a key element to all of this. And that's like, you know, funny enough, I don't even mean to do it, but it kind of goes back to empathy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I love the, that there's the statistical know-how that regardless of what's going on in D.C., business can be good. You just have to, you know, focus on making your business and your people better. And and uh, we got to apologize for for any of the listeners, business owners, executives, HR people who were kind of holding their breath and saying, well, next 2020 is going to be, you know, nothing no, – 
no year could be as difficult as 2019 in finding good talent. And, you know, that the economy is going to slow down. We're going to have all this craziness going on in Washington and around us. And, uh, you know, people will will start. Well, one is people will stop leaving their job. And and as Alan said, that may be possible, but it's temporary. Um, but somehow there's going to be this um, uh, influx of talented people flooding the labor pool, flooding the markets, and um, the pressure will be off. And that's, and, uh, yeah, that's and, just not going to happen. <laughs> right. And then, you, t- you know, then I, I think about like this time of year, everyone's talking about their trends and what they've seen. And I can't imagine anybody in the HR world having more of an explosive year than Enrique Rubio. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, with hacking right. HR, this guy has been literally across the globe and back. Um, and, you know, you think about some of the trends that are diving deeper inside of the HR world. And and I think that. To your point, I think that talent acquisition is not going to get any easier anytime soon or later. Um, and it's it, it really boils down to reskilling, reskilling uh, your employees. I, the immense amount of work that needs to be done inside of organizations that want to take advantage of the opportunity the marketplace has is significant. It definitely is significant. And that, and that sort of fits into, you know, I want to ask you what your projections, you know, what, what you see as the trends and certainly more empathy. But empathy's um I won't say a symptom, but it's sort of a driver of that or or it's a, a mechanism um, to do what needs to be done. But, uh, you know, the indicators, you know, there is there, I have not seen a single indication from economists, from HR leaders, from business leaders, from all the research that says that in the next decade, it will get any easier right. to right. find talent. And the reason is there may be more people out of jobs, unfortunately, you know, for, unfortunately, and some of that may be uh, due to displacement from automation. And and again, from everything you read is that's going to be relatively insignificant. The robots aren't coming to take everybody's jobs. That, that's almost a given as well. Right. Uh, right. So there will be some people that are displaced. But if there's a slowdown, there will certainly be people that are let go, just as there always been. The problem is, is no one's going to let go of their top talent. The, the people that are, you know, have average or even above average skills may be susceptible, but they're not going to be the top people and yeah, maybe a little easier to, to find a, a few more skilled workers out there. But um, it, it's not going to go back to the way it was in previous recessions or slowdowns when there were tens and, and hundreds of thousands of people laid off and put out uh, to and, and they were looking for jobs and willing to accept other work because the skills that are required are, are just so different. And so. You hit it on the head. I mean, one and you know, one of my one of the things that that I think you're going to continue to see is a trend toward upskilling, um, way different than traditional learning and development, um, because uh, again, it, there is no possible way that you can upskill everybody by having a bunch of trainers come in, taking everybody for a week out of you know a a, a week out of their their mainstream right. work, right. and doing this brain dump and. Exp- 
that's not upskilling, you know, no. micro learning. In fact, tomorrow I'm talking with Heidi Spearge again, nice. um, you know, from Cornerstone. Um, they're looking at a couple of exciting things, uh, trying to see how I might become more involved. You've got to get uh, them a sponsor. We need to bring them on as a sponsor. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up to her again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, their they their emphasis. I mean, they have a whole uh, pre hire to sure. um, you know onboarding, but their you know their emphasis is on learning and yep. development and upskilling. Um, but that, you know, that, that's huge. So upskilling is going to be there. And then the other, the other theme, I would say, I, w- I would call them themes, uh, that you're going to see a lot of. And, and, uh, we've got, uh, I just read something yesterday, maybe the day before from Jason Averbook, who's going to be on the show also in January, um, that, you know, universally, we're going to be talking a lot more about workforce experience. Um, you know, that the, the, finally the employee, is yeah. going to be recognized as a customer. It's not going to be something we right. put on the wall and people are our most important assets and they're our customers too. It's it's going to be serious. And, and that's right. that goes back to your empathy, you know. <laughs> right. And 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 you know, going back to, you know, what I would anticipate in 2020, I'll tell you what I think is going to happen and then I'll tell you what I I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I see that whole supply and demand that we call today's talent marketplace that whole lack of people to fill the jobs is another way of saying that companies um, – oh, snap. I lost my train of thought. They um, – oh, man, it just left. The idea is that they have to come to terms with reshaping their business. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. It's like coming into a kitchen. Like say you go to work as a cook. And you walk in and they say, oh, today you're still working for the restaurant, but we need you to be a bartender when you never mixed a drink. The HR and the, and the infrastructure inside of organizations from a leadership down perspective, all of that has to be remapped because there is no choice. The long term points to, you know, there's no baby boomer generation coming up. As a matter of fact, we've got fewer and fewer college entries starting to turn into the marketplace. Because in 2008, when the recession hit, people stopped making babies. So there's a four to six year gap of no college students, or at least a substantial lot, uh, fewer amount of college students coming into the university. So people literally need to learn how to do more. And I believe that companies that pay attention to this, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to thrive in the next 12 to 18 months and beyond, which takes me to the point of, what don't I know is going to happen? We spend so much time listening and, and learning about how technology is the, the key to success anymore. And companies that haven't caught on to that, and there's a lot of them, they're going to be left in the dust. And, you know, I've said it plenty of times how if you're not paying attention to the impact technology has on every component of your company – you are suspect of losing in a big way, more so than you've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And you might even lose the, the game completely and have to close your doors. I'm curious to see what kind of actual difference technology has on those companies. That, let's say 80-20 rule applies, right? 20% of the companies are going to catch on and they're going to grow and scale their ability to bring on employees, create a culture that reflects the values and the and the vision of the employees so that everybody could work, you know, together. Yep. 
and go and, to the future. So I'll be curious to see what kind of difference that is between the haves and the have-nots of technology. Well, you know, my thought, there's going to be a lot of people experiencing talent poverty, and yep. there's going to be a, a, a small group uh, that is going to prosper, and they're going to they're going to understand what talent prosperity is, and you're going to hear a lot more about that. Um, just on your theme for people, uh, again, I, I think in preparation, maybe people want to do a little homework over the holidays. Uh, if you want to read two books, I would definitely read The Disruption Mindset by Charlene Lee. Uh, she was my guest yesterday on live stream, and she's going to be our guest in uh, uh, upcoming in a few weeks, uh, and we're going to be talking a lot more about that, and, and that's going to be important about disruption and and the growth and and um, getting beyond the status quo. And then the other one I'd love to have him is Simon Sinek. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can work on that, Keith. I'm on uh, and, I'm but on I would Simon, definitely look at. I would, I would definitely look at the uh, Infinite Game. Um, pick, yeah. pick that up. Listen to the Audible. Um, read some summaries on it. But we are. Um, not only we're, we're almost out of time for the show and almost out of time for the year. Uh, so we got a couple thank yous, um, you know, again, just kind of reflections back that we, we want to do. Um, I, for everybody who's listened, uh, commented, shared, geek skeezes and Googleization, um, whether it was with your friends or colleagues, uh, with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, thank you. Uh, we, we, we've grown from a handful of listeners uh, about 15 months ago into Googleization Nation. Uh, we've got ten, tens of thousands of listeners and followers from around the world. Um, and uh, again, it just keeps growing. So thank you very much. Uh, we got to thank all our guests. We've had tremendous guests. We've had 49 guests this year. Uh, and we have had um, another 12 last year. Um, so, you know, th these people are some of the smartest, most creative, innovative people in HR and business. And Keith and I are both humbled and grateful that they are willing to spend, you know, an hour with us, almost an hour um, to, to, that, to, to kind of be on the, on the hot seat and to share information that hopefully is benefiting everyone. And in the background, we got to thank Dee. She keeps us running up on, up on all this stuff. So thank you, Dee. Um, we got to thank Zor.ai and Success Performance Solution for their financial support for the podcast. Uh, we do have two sponsor openings for next year. Uh, let Keith or me know if you're interested. We'd love to have you on the show, get you out to Googleization Nation. Our next live show is January 8th. Uh, we will be, be, we'll have another year of rock star guests. We're starting out strong. Uh, next week is Christmas Day uh, and the following week's New Year's Day. So we will not be on the air live, but we will share with you the best of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, a few episodes. Um, if you need a break, we'll be there on those holidays. Uh, and of course, we're always available 24 7, 365 at geekskeezersgoogleization.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Keith, final words. Hey, uh, 2019, transformative year for you and me, huh? I mean, yeah. Yeah, incredible. And just, yeah, and it's just incredible. Yeah, we're, thank we're you. just on the cusp. It's going to be Yeah, huge. thank you so much for the opportunity. I mean, I appreciate it. Amazing things have been happening all year long uh, for both of us. And uh, and yeah, thanks to Dee for being there in the back side of this stuff here. And uh, and thanks to everyone out there. I mean, within a year, we got 10,000, more than 10,000 monthly listeners. And I think, you know. Yeah, more, uh, more, more than that. We're, yeah, we're well, actually now above we that be, now. Yeah, so. I wonder, yeah. Yeah, so we've had some, so and thanks to the guests for making that happen. Yep. 
Hey, d everyone, don't forget to join Googleization Nation. You can go up to successperformancesolutions.com. There's a button right at the top. It's free. Uh, you'll get updates about the live streams, podcasts, uh, webinars that are coming up, newsletters, articles, white papers. Um, we're looking for big things in 2020. Uh, or you can connect with me, and, uh, uh, me or, or Keith on LinkedIn and Twitter. Happy holidays, everyone. We wish you the happiest New Year. Be safe, and we will see you in 2020. Cheers. Thank you.